0: Welcome to Black History Matters 365, Part 2 Interview with Melvin Forbes. Are you related by any way? Because we're all related in some kind of way, I'm finding out.
1: I had the pleasure to meet Mr. Forbes, Stephen Malcolm Forbes. I was speaking, I was at the National War College during the time. And he was also there during the same time. And as happenstance would occur, he was going down the same hall that I was going down. And the lady said, Mr. Forbes, you're going the wrong way. And we both turned to the lady at the same time. So he looks at me and I'm looking at him. And I go, you are Forbes? And he goes, yes, you are Forbes? And I go, yes, sir. (laughs) And I say to him, let me see your driver's license. So he's reaching in his pocket, right? And he goes, wait a minute. <laughs> Funny story, but so true story. Oh, and, and we got to talk and laugh. And he, he, he says, well, I got to believe that we got to be related somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you don't find many African-Americans that are named Forbes. And we know right. historically how that happened. But I started uh, you know, Forbes Consultant because I believe that the best way, my father always was an owner, mm-hmm. you know, owned his own land and his, his own farm. So in order to really do what you want to do to help others, I think you have to branch out beyond just working for someone else. Mm-hmm. And and since God had blessed me with the resources to be able to do that as you know, because I worked in corporate, I started Forbes Consulting and uh, never looked back. And over the years have just uh, been blessed to have done a lot of different things for a lot of different people.
0: Wow. I have so many questions for you. <laughs> I got two right quick, but one is in reference to the whole telecommunications technology and looking at where we are today. When you were actually working with NASA, looking at it today, do you number one, do you think we're even more advanced and we don't take advantage of the advancement that we have in front of us? And then number two, um, looking at the African American community, I, I guess I'm not looking for an with this or more of how can we change this is that having technology in our homes because it was saying how it says how African-American children ha- are the least amount have computers in their home or any kind of technology like that. So two questions in one. That first one was, about our advancement in technology now, are we taking advantage of that? And then the home of the African-American in technology.
1: <clears throat> well, let me answer the second one first, and then the first. The, the technology in the home uh, in 1994, I think I was part of a White House uh, meeting that talked about accessibility. It was called the digital divide. It was a conference. Mm -hmm. called The Digital Divide, and we were trying to figure out back then how to make technology accessible to Mm -hmm. everyone. I summed it up in one word during my dissertation by calling it access. The only thing that we need to provide so that our communities of African-American descent and rural areas can have is accessibility. And I can't believe that we, being the wealthiest country, the most advanced technologically that can do almost anything. When I was growing up, Joanne, the mantra was reach for the sky. The sky is the limit. That was what I was always told.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As
1: I got older, I started to tell young people, don't ever say reach for the sky because we got footsteps on the moon. So it's beyond the sky.
0: Yeah, the sky is here,
1: but we have footsteps on the moon. So the technological advancements that have been made have not unfortunately reached everyone that it should have reached. And a lot of that, unfortunately, has to have some political elements to it because it's available Mm -hmm. But we just haven't seemed to be able to put it in those places that seem to be, that that have the biggest needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Telemedicine and uh, uh, some of the other things that are in place, I can go back and show you in the 80s when I was at MCI, we had already developed the platforms for telemedicine back then. But we had not utilized them in a more commercial way. Oftentimes, technology is a decade ahead of most people, and then it sort of catches up. We were using caller ID at NASA when, in other words, when someone called you and you saw the phone number and recognized it. That was in the 70s. But most people really didn't get caller ID until later. Mm -hmm. They used commercially.
0: So you're kind of telling me that we probably will catch up. That probably yeah. will catch up in the communities, which we're seeing that now. But yes. it's just so shocking, you know, that so many don't have that. It's about
1: priorities. We, we spend uh, billions of dollars now. The advancements we have made, kind of understand it from a country perspective. From a security perspective, we're way ahead. Uh, militaristically, we're way ahead. Countries. I mean, think about it. We just implemented something that has never happened in decades or almost a century, and that was a new branch of military. We got a space force now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I think it was uh, authorized in 2016. We now have a space force, and the only reason I am aware of the space force because anything that does with space, I'm kind of still into Mm
0: connected.
1: So I can tell you there are major advancements as it relates to our militaristic and government sectors of security that the technology is so far advanced. I am saying that we can redistribute some of those resources to make it more palatable for those disenfranchised areas where technology could be more readily available. So, And I'm hoping that we will continue to do that as we move further into the 21st century.
0: So we're a lot smarter than what we portray when it comes yes. to you know technology. I truly believe that. I just think it's not being pushed, per se, or we don't know about it. And I wish we could know more. Like you're saying, there's so much more already been done. We just need to advance it. It's interesting. Now for you, I have a wonderful question for you of, how was it for you, 60s now, you're a black man who's working in these fields. How was that for you? Did you have any kind of pushback or, you know, was it hard for you to, was the workforce hard for you working with people? What was that like for you? Cause it had to be some pushback because of the color of your skin. It was
1: major. Um and it was major just because a some didn 't even feel I should have been there, number one, but remember now, I had already been through the boot the, the, the boot camp of uh, racial sensitivity by being one of the first African Americans to go to a white all white high school when I was you know just in the ninth grade, so I had already known and that 's why I believe that God has a plan for all our lives because had I not gone to that school, you I wouldn't have been prepared. So understanding how the culture was, uh, and my father had taught me that the price of freedom is always performance. If you perform, you will get certain amount of freedoms that others may not get. And if the examples he always gave, he said, you may not be able to eradicate or eliminate people's isms of prejudice. But if you perform based on their expectations and their obligation, you will see certain freedoms that you may not have ascertained prior to that. Michael Jordan got certain freedoms because he knew what to do with the basketball, okay? Tiger Woods, golf club. Of course, Williams sisters. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we all had to go through the gauntlet of, of understanding there will always be pushback not because we don't have the intellectual capital of the core competencies it's just the color of our skin which has, I'm not sure that we'll ever be able to rationalize or understand that in totality because there's no rationalization for me to not like you just because of the color of your skin, but we know that's pretty much what happened mm-hmm. so I got major pushback but what they couldn't stop was my performance. And so wow. while they thought that I was just there looking and staying over an extra eight hours to work, I was learning and looking at how I could learn more than what they were, that they knew. So I wouldn't just know what was on my shift. I knew what was on their shift.
0: So I had an advantage. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, because it sounds like just taking advantage of what was in front of you, taking it beyond where you were placed and just learning all of it. It's kind of one of those old little sayings that my father always told me, let your work speak for itself, and then you can move up in the world. You don't have to worry about it. It it was just like your father said, it builds freedom for you when you're doing your performance. I love that. And, and mind you, Joanne, we were always taught
1: we had to be twice as good.
0: Yeah, always. Still to this day. I mean, to this day,
1: <laughs> yeah. my, it was instilled in me you can't just be good, Melvin. You got to be twice as good. Right. So that right. philosophy or ideology that was coming from your parents was preparing you for the real world that they knew you had to face.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was
1: the best way they could tell you, don't just be good, be twice as good. We, I rose to the occasion. And again, I still believe that if you give us access, and it is proven and documented, to any opportunity, we will exceed, mm-hmm. uh, change the rules, which happens, or change the finishing line, which happens. Because once we have had the ability to really dig into what I call the basics of what it is we've got to do, we tend to modify. We tend to make it a little bit better than what it was
0: (laughs) with our own flavor. I love that about us. Now, Mm -hmm. speaking of today, and we're going to pull it on in today. Sure. You are very familiar with the project (laughs) BH365 and the curriculum that's coming out, an inclusive account of American history. And we at BH365 are really trying to be what you've been saying the whole time you are, a solution. We're trying to be solutionists. We think our curriculum is one of the ways to be a solution to what's going on today. Why? Because we know that if we understand our history better, where we come from, we can be better people, and we can better address the problems of today. So that's kind of our heart, where we are at BH365. So looking at today and you knowing we are being solutionists, you being a solutionist, How would you or what advice would you give us today with this racial injustice that's going on or what's some one, two, threes or some steps that we need to consider as we're in this culture dealing with this on a daily basis? Well, that's a great question. Well, first
1: of all, it is perfect timing for BH365. That's the The timing could not be better uh, because uh, it is the past that pays dividends on your future. Mm. so the history of understanding where you came from and the royalty in which you are part of gives you a basic of saying well that's what i thought but now i know it's one thing to speculate and let's let's face it america's biggest black eye has been slavery and everybody knows that, that that's a fact because they took Obviously, uh, the greatest asset of America, if, you, if the truth be known, was the slaves, because mm-hmm. they took the slaves in the South to create the agriculture industry. They took the slaves to the North to help with the industry and factories. Mm-hmm. So for 400 years, you had this economical engine that was built on the back of slave ships. Mm -hmm. So the history of understanding that even though we were enslaved, we still have risen to elements that have far exceeded even those who enslaved us. So Black BH365 is, in my opinion, a very timely tool to be taught at a time when there is people trying to understand how we got to where we are. And it is amazing, but not so as you look at it, that a lot of the real history was not even taught to us about who we are and who we were. So for young people nowadays to look at, you know, you mean the things that y'all taught us was really not true? Mm. Or maybe just familiarizing themselves with what they thought they knew versus what is factually I mean, everybody has an opinion, right? Everybody has mm-hmm, an mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think BH365 puts it in a very detailed manner that brings it to a crescendo of understanding so that people really do recognize the importance that really America history is Black history. Right. It's right. not just for a month. Right. You know, which just as short as much, but you can't talk about America without, without talking it. about it. But because it was such a uh, disdain and the and the uh, the amount of cruelty that was uh, inflicted upon us, I think uh, white America wanted to hide it. Uh, but as Martin Luther King said, "Truth crushed to the earth shall always rise." Mm. And and the Bible goes on to say, well, my precious, say anyway, that the truth sets you free.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So once the truth is out, you can deal with it a lot better. So I think BH365 will be one of those tools during this time that historically will be one of the elements that will allow us as a country to move forward. That's what I believe that, BH365 will be part of. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that I can do everything I can to help with with this. Because, uh, uh, you know, I always tell people the largest room in the world is the room for improvement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And while we are doing it, we recognize that we will be able to improve upon, because history doesn't stop. Right. I mean, we're, we're making history right now. The fact that we're doing what we're doing and others will hear about this and see this. And then they will ask other questions that will lead to other doors and other possibilities. And that's what really excites me about what's happening with BH365, the possibilities.
0: Awesome. That's an awesome response because I truly believe that as well. And I just believe with, and hearing, hearing people like you more and our culture, being introduced to our culture now is going to help, too. Like you said, history continues. No matter what, history continues on. I'm going to be interviewing history makers forever, almost, until I die. Yes. That's what history is. It just continues. We're making history pretty much every day, yes. you know, when we live. And so we got to forge forth and have a voice and make sure it's heard and not gotten. I think that's what's really, really key. And I hear you're saying here, too. And that's what's going to help. And, and Julian,
1: if I may add one other thing. And and that's why this is what you're doing is so significant. Because a lot of our history was never documented and never captured. What we are doing, you are. This is so exciting to me that you are part of capturing those stories, those people who are. And listen, you are a trailblazer. The fact that the male had to deal with what he had to deal with, it has always been the backbone of the African American woman that has created the stability and predictability for us to do what we were able to do. Yeah. I mean, because you all had to deal with not just the racism, but the sexism yeah. as a woman. Right. That's so right. kudos to, you know, and I had five sisters and a strong mother. So yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that big family, that's, yeah. it is just wonderful. I could sit at your feet and just learn and listen to your quotes and everything about your life all day long, but I'm enjoying myself is what I'm saying. But what I wanted to um, definitely kind of bring out too, because you, you kind of gave me a history about yourself when it comes to music, I have listened to a, a song, not a recent song, but it's just got some play during its time. Uh-huh. And, um, so I want people to know about this song and I want them to go to YouTube and listen to that. The title of it is We Can't Go On This Way. That's right. We Can't <laughs> Go On This Way. And it's on YouTube. You need to go there and listen to that because of the lyrics in that song. What prompted you to do this song? Well, um,
1: We Can't Go On This Way is uh, a song that I had written as a result of an experience that happened to my nephew. He had been beat up by a gang of of young people. And I was so devastated when I went to visit him in the hospital until I didn't even recognize him. I was getting ready to get on a plane to go to the West Coast. And I was so devastated by what I had seen happen to him that I pulled out a pen and a piece of paper and started to write those lyrics uh, about, we can't go on this way. We've got, and and it, and it just came to me that part of understanding each other is understanding because, and all that getting it get understanding. So there was no need for them to beat him up the way they beat him up over something that was frivolous, mm. insignificant, minuscule. It was a misunderstanding. And they literally found out that, they had beat up the wrong person. And because uh, one more historical piece that I want to bring in about my family, my great-grandfather was killed by the Ku Klux Klan for preaching the gospel. So the DNA of the Forbes family, when you really research my family, you will see that we've always been strong religious-based. We've always been strong advocates for Uh, innovation, civil rights movements, and innovators. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that you will find in the DNA of the Forbes family. So I guess I was destined to do this, but we learned how to sing before we could really talk in my household. So singing and writing was one of those expressions that we always had. So the song we can't go on this way. That, by the way, is sung by the original singing sons of Washington, D.C. Right. It's just to be my brothers and my cousins and I. And the song was so meaningful because I also wrote it during the time uh, one of the verses said, We can't continue to ignore the fact that people are dying every day from using cocaine and crack. Mm-hmm. And they even got a new drug, it's called ICE. If you want to take it, you surely lose your life. Then the other verse that says, we can't continue to just turn our heads while people are lying on the street using it for bed. Mm. The only time that you should look down on a man is when you're reaching down to give him a helping hand. We can't go on this way. But then I give a solution at the end of the song by saying, these problems you say are nothing new, but the question in your mind is, what are we going to do? Two plus two is four. Four and four is eight. The answer is very simple. I'll tell you what it takes. Except God's gift, his only begotten son, when you receive him, you start to love everyone. Can't you see, people, love is the answer. We can't go on this way. So I wrote the song in 94, but yet it's being played now as if it was... (laughs) just written yesterday, but music is, is timeless, so... It is, it is. And, and, you and, and the and lyrics,
0: it. your lyrics fit today. Because, right. and it's sad, but this stuff is still going on today. It's still going on,
1: it's still going it on. It's real
0: sad. But it's going to take, what I love about it, is the love. And yes. Because right now, we need so much love in our country right now. We just need love. We need That's it from our home all the way to our workplace and, and our friendships every day. We just need to learn to love each other in a whole new way. And that is done through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. You know, we need that. We need that wholeheartedly. Well, it has been a delight, an absolute delight. I want you to just close in any way today that you want to, because again, I can talk to you all day long. <laughs> I just wanted to introduce you to our audience because you, sir, our history maker and still making history, and I love that about you. So, if you could close today and give us a word to encourage us today.
1: Well, I want to tell everyone listening that everything that is wrong with America can be fixed by everything that is right with America. If we look at more than what we have versus what we don't have, and then distribute what we have with others, we will find that we will not only be a better country, a better society, but we will continue to do as Lewis Lattimore did. Remember, it was Thomas Edison that invented the light bulb, but it was Lewis Lattimore, an African American, that put the filament in the light bulb that lit the world. We can continue to light the world if we continue to recognize that you may build great cathedrals large or small. You may build skyscrapers grand or tall. You may conquer all the failures of your past, but only what you do for Christ will ask.
0: Amen. You've been listening to Black History Matters 365 with the great Melvin Fords today. We appreciate him being here today and enlightening us in so many ways, and we will have him back. So keep listening. We thank you for listening in today, and you have a good day, and we will see you next time on Black History Matters 365.